Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. I can walk. You see, I was dead, but he breathed his life into me, and now I'm alive. You see, I was lost, so lost. But he found me. Where you at this morning? Come on, this is an opportunity to just take stock and go, God, I recognize I was blind. God, I recognize I was lame. God, I recognize I was mute. God, I recognize this morning I had lack. But thank you that you found me. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain. Somebody say Nain. And his disciples and a large crowd went with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of a mother, and she was a widow. That's pretty bad right there. Not only is the son dead, but the mum, not only has she lost the son, but she's a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said what do you say don't cry then he went up and touched the open coffin that was there carrying him and the bearers stood still He said, young man, I say to you, say it with me, get up. Young man, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus, Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praise and praised God. And they said, a great prophet has appeared amongst us, they said. God has come to help His people. 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 God has come to help this people. God has come to help you. God has come to help you. Well, this news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and among the surrounding country. Father, 
We thank you that your presence is here. We thank you that your word is powerful. We thank you that you have the breath of life. And so this morning, we thank you that we can be found in one space, in one time, together. And so we pray that you would do a once over and come upon each of your people and and that you would minister, you would touch them in their point of need. For we pray this in Jesus' name and for your glory. Somebody shout amen. Why don't you take your seats? High five, five people on your way down. excited this morning to be in church it's very good hey exciting news uh, we have another new baby in the house Phil and Fiona have had a baby boy Isaac John Sisson born uh, on Friday morning at 7:43 a.m 3.42 kilos bow that's a uh, 7.85 pounds. Seven, yeah, pounds. Yeah. Uh, what else do you guys need to know? Mum and baby are both well. And we have an excited dad. Uh, congratulations. Is Joan in the house? Congratulations, Grandma. Is it here? Um, last, last Sunday, I think at pre-meeting, I talked about um, this house being like a hospital, uh, a place where people from all walks of life who are hurt and in pain and are suffering can come and find Jesus. You can find Jesus in the marketplace, don't get me wrong. But this place would represent that of which it would be a hospital. Do you have any medics in the house? Let me have a show of hands if you're in the medical profession. Awesome, awesome. Nurses, doctor, I think doctors in the other room. Uh, medics from the, from the army. What I want you to know that this word this morning is, is a word of life. There's power in life. There's power in Jesus, and so Jesus carries life. So if you're in a, in a, in a place of frustration, a place of of, of near-death experience where everything else is shut down and there's, you can't see any way ahead of you. What I want to say to you is a special word for you this morning is that help is on its way. Help is on its way. Today I believe God wants to restore people. God wants to bring you into completion. God wants to mend what has been broken. Do you know for something to break, you need force. Force is required to, to have breakage. To break a window, something has to penetrate it. Yes. Today, we have broken people. We have broken lives. We are a part of a world that is broken. And what Jesus wants to do today is heal you so you can heal others. 
This morning, I want there to be an awakening, a new experience of what God wants to do. I want to encourage you, and I want the Word to strengthen you wherever you're at. I want the Word to declare this morning victory, victory in Jesus' name. And we are to take over the works of the enemy. I think three people believe that. Uh, how many of you know the enemy's a real threat? Yeah, the enemy's a real threat. So, you know, so rather than him just kind of front up face to face, he will use circumstances around us. He will use the very people who are close to you, people who have no idea who you are, circumstances that will try you, that will just keep pushing at you until you break. So Jesus was again passing through. I love the stories of, of that we read in Scripture of where he's at and something happens just because he's passing through. So this, this trip that he, that he embarked on was not necessarily a planned trip. So it was a 25-mile trip, right, on foot. He wasn't even requested to be in Nain. No one called for him. If you look at the passage just before, the centurion sent for Jesus. So people went to find him, and they got him. And the centurion said, God, Jesus, if you just spoke the word, send your word, my servant will be healed. So that has just happened. And then we enter in, and it says, soon after that event, Jesus was coming through Nain. Someone said, passing through. What did Jesus encounter? I was going to get a coffin, but it kind of was a bit morbid. Um, so I wouldn't do that because contextually as well, it's not right. But this was an open coffin. So, so ooh, I just feel the room kind of go, ooh. Okay, everybody, you could laugh and like, you know, with all sensitivity, I mean, I'm not trying to make fun of it, but it's, it's real, right? Death is real. And if you've had to deal with grief, it is for real. I'll just imagine what Jesus would have encountered. So here we are. There's two crowds, right? There's the crowd that was walking with Jesus, and they had just seen a miracle happen. So what do you think their persona or demeanor would be? Do you think they're walking with Jesus like? They'll be like, oh my goodness, did you see what he, did you hear what he said? Did you, did you see that? Like, did you, did you see that? Did you, I, I want to see him do it again. The other crowd. And they meet. I want you to just use your imagination here for a second. Here's Jesus with his disciples and his crowd. They've just witnessed a miracle. And approaching them are a bunch of pallbearers. 
and a mother and a large crowd. In the culture, it is acceptable to grieve loud, so wailing. So it wasn't a quiet scene, right? So there's, there's just wailing, an expression of grief and possibly anger. You see, today we, we don't really sort of kind of understand, if we were to read that passage of Scripture, just what that mother would have been going through. She's lost her only son, and she's a widow. So that meant that the only person that could really give her life that's worth living is lying here on the stretcher. And he did. And he's dead. So for her, her, her wailing and her crying is all to do with it is finished here. It is all over. I have nothing. Yeah, I have a crowd of people who are around me. But everything that I have and dreamt of and ever thought of imagined is lying here on the stretcher. And Jesus enters through the gate. Jesus is entering into the city. And they're heading out of the city. Because dead things don't belong in the city. Jesus is coming and he sees that there's a funeral procession happening. And he stops them. If you were at Shout, Pastor um, Shane Willard did this amazing teaching on being ceremonially unclean if you touch anything to do with death, right? So here's Jesus. He's coming in and he touches the open coffin. And he commands the young man to sit up. But before he does that, he actually sees the mum. He sees her. He moves with compassion. And because of that, he raised them from the dead. Death is not a pretty sight. For those of you that don't know me that well, I've had to deal with the death of two of my younger brothers. And so, you know, like it's, it's pretty, pretty hectic. To, to have to, do, but you know, like I'm, I'm a brother, right? But here's my mum and dad who was still alive and well, having had to bury two of their sons. And I've been trying to feel like, I'm trying to think, what, it, what would it be like if I lost one of my boys? Be that too. How, what, right? How would we be able to handle that? The pain of having to go through the loss of a son. You know, today we have all these insurance, insurances like life insurance and all that kind of stuff that ensures that the rest of your family can, can move on, can, can live on and, and, you know, maintain some sort of life. 
But back in the day, there was nothing. There was nothing there for her. I know that in my grief, I process it differently to the rest of my family. How I grieve means that I, I want to talk to people. I want to be able to talk to people about my grief. I don't want to sit in, the, in a quiet room and just reflect because I need to be around life. And isn't it amazing? Sometimes what the enemy tries to do is because we're grieving over something that has died, not just the person, but a situation, something that's died, we often try and get ourselves out into the dark where no one else can speak to us. Because there's risk, right? There's risk when you try and tell people about your grief. Because people will always kind of revert back to their own stories. And, and you know, like, and it's kind of like, but I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. Isn't it amazing? Jesus sees the mother and she, he doesn't go, well, you know what? In a couple of months, you know, I'll, I'm going to be dead too. He doesn't do that. Right? Because Jesus knows that he's going to die. He doesn't approach her and says, hey, don't worry. Because I'm going to die too. What he does is he sees her need and it moves him with compassion. Sometimes it's important for us to tell ourselves it's not about you. Now imagine this. So the young man, when Jesus calls him to sit up, he sits up and he starts to talk. What do you think he would have said? What would have been the first thing that came out of his mouth? I could imagine the people that were following Jesus would be going, oh my gosh, he did it again. <laughs> what do you think? Eyes open and now seeing who's around him. Now seeing this happy bunch of people over here and then turns around and sees this confused bunch of people over here. Oh, just like, what the heck's just happened? What's just happened? Something has happened. Who is this man standing before me? Spirit of thought for the distressed widow. For her anxiety. And also for the impossible future that she had been grieving toward. Then Jesus just walks by. I love that. I love that even in the, the account of, of Jairus' daughter. You know, Jesus is like, he's on his way there. But then the lady with the issue of blood touches the hem of his garment. She's healed. He turns around, you know, ceremonially again. He is now unclean because something that has been sick and dying touched the hem of his cloak. He is now ceremonially unclean. And then he steps into this, into Jairus' house, and she's just died, and there are people wailing and crying. 
Why don't you open your Bible with me? Mark chapter 5. I just want to quickly um, go to that piece of Scripture, and I want us to kind of see it for ourselves. And I'll just, I'll pick through some of those um, and through the story. So Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house. So chapter 5, verse 21. When Jesus again crossed over by boat on the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded. He asked Jesus and earnestly asked him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. The story goes on to say that as he was walking through, the lady with the issue of blood came by and touched the, his cloak. And the Bible says in verse 21, immediate, 29, immediately her bleeding stopped and she, felt, and, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And at once Jesus realized that power had gone from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? It carries on. And in verse 34, he says to the dead girl, daughter, oh sorry, he says to the, the lady who've just touched the hem of his garment, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. See, Jesus wants to free us from suffering. Jesus wants to free you from suffering. He speaks his word and we are free. He speaks his word and we come alive. And then he goes into the room where the little girl is and he says, little girl, I say to you, get up. Jesus again is on his way. You see, interruptions are never distractions when Jesus is involved. Interruptions are never distractions when Jesus is involved. God will use you to be an interruption in someone's life in order that he would bring breakthrough to them. You see, on the day, Two crowds met. The crowd following Jesus who were just full of faith, seeing what God had done. And the crowd who were mourning after this dead son. Spiritually speaking, in this room, we are in two crowds. There are people who are walking in victory and seeing what Jesus has done and celebrating that. And there are some people who are here today who are mourning something that they've lost. Whether that be a lost relationship, lost friendship, lost dream, lost identity. You may have lost something. So either you're heading into the city with joy or you're heading out of the city to bury that dead thing. 
Because dead things don't belong in the city. Somebody say, help is on the way. Your help is on the way. Which crowd do you identify with? Which crowd would you say right now, right here, right now, would you say you were a part of? You see, also there was the meaning of two sons. A son who was alive, yet to die, and a son who was dead, yet to live. But here's the difference. There was one only begotten son. Both the sons, one to die, one to live. Also on the day, there were two sufferers. Not only was the widow suffering, but Jesus was the man of sorrows. He could easily identify with her, identify with the heartache, identify with the feeling of now being alone. Jesus felt the pain of sin and death, of what sin and death has brought into this world, and he did something about it. You see, there were two enemies on the day as well, life and death. Where life is, death cannot exist. But when we think about what death does in this world, it causes havoc, doesn't it? It causes family units to break. It causes people to fall away and, and to slide back into the darkness. It causes people to feel like they're all alone. But help is on the way. Let's think about Lazarus. Lazarus is a good friend of Jesus. He'd been dead for four days. He was buried in a tomb. He was wrapped up in linen. I love what Jesus says in that account. He says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for the glory of if it's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Death is not the end. God will fulfill His purpose in you and in me. Death. Where is your sting? Death. Where is your sting? Death. Where is your sting? You see, you may be sitting in this room right now 
and your brain is, is trying to think of situations and, and places that have tried to trap you from not walking in the freedom that God has called you to. Some people are thinking about Monday. Some people are thinking about the week to come and having to deal with life. Some people are in pain. And so this morning, quite simply, I pray that the Holy Spirit will minister to you and that the Holy Spirit will teach you and give you the strength and what you need to pray for in this time in order to bring you back to life. Because what is dead, God will call back to life. God will fulfill His purpose in you. What the enemy has tried to do to steal and kill and destroy from you, this morning I want to say to you quite simply, God will raise it back. God will call it back to life. I wonder if you could stand with me. You see, it's not a surprise that you're here this morning. It's not a surprise to God that you are here in His presence. And so because we're here in His presence, He will be passing by. And He's going to see you in your situation. He's going to see you in your hurt and your pain. Whatever crowd you identify yourself with this morning, Jesus is in the room. Jesus is in the room. So I just pray right now. We're going to open up a time of, of prayer. Because I want the Holy Spirit to do a work. I'm going to get out of the way. I want the Holy Spirit to do a work. To call into existence, to call into being purpose again. To speak life into a dead situation. To speak life into your family, into your marriage, into your relationships. To speak life into your career, to speak life into your dream. And so quite simply this morning, if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to come and would, would love to pray with you. We've got a prayer team this morning who would love to to pray a prayer blessing over you, but speak life into you. And Deuteronomy 30 talks about life and death is in front of you, but choose life. Choose life. Choose life. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Not only will you rise up, but I will give you life. If that's you this morning, let's just take a moment just to ask, Holy Spirit, where do you see me? 
how do I need to respond in my need? Because right now, He sees you through the eyes of compassion. He understands what you are going through. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.